to the Quarantine Players Podcast. We are a group of writers, directors, and actors who had our productions canceled due to the pandemic. Each week, we'll read a new play and discuss it with a playwright, just like Shakespeare. We aspire to create new work during a global pandemic. Welcome to the Quarantine Players. My name is Carrie Peters, and I will be reading the role of Sarah Perlmutter, a 42-year-old woman. I'm Shane Gardner. I will be reading Thelma Perlmutter, the ghost of Sarah's mother, 75 years old. And I'm Robert Beard. I'll be reading the role of Sarah's uh, Arnold Perlmutter, Sarah's father, 79 years old. I am Barry Alguire. I will be reading the stage directions. The play we're reading tonight is Moving On, and it's by Andrea Fine Carey. Let's begin. The setting is Sarah's townhouse in a Baltimore suburb. The place is immaculate and sparsely but attractively furnished. There is a kitchen, living room, front room, and staircase leading upstairs to a landing. An empty coat tree rack stands by the front door. The living room has a sofa, chair, coffee table, and bookcase that contains a small sound system, a menorah, some knickknacks, and some neatly arranged books. A cello, in or out of a case, leans against the wall. A tasteful landscape painting or print hangs prominently on the living room wall. As the play progresses, Arnold's possessions gradually take over the house. The time is August 2004, late afternoon. Scene one. At rise, Sarah is in the kitchen making coffee. Five large, well-worn suitcases or duffel bags have been dumped on the living room floor. Arnold enters from outside carrying two more large bags. He sets them down in the living room with the other. Both Sarah and Arnold wear dark, conservative clothes, having just come from a funeral. Sarah enters the living room. What's all this? It's my stuff. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff for a couple of weeks. You never know what the weather's going to do. This way, I'm prepared. It's August. Sarah goes back to the kitchen. Arnold takes off his jacket and tie and throws them on the living room chair. You know, Dad, we really need to talk. Arnold kicks off his shoes, leaving them in the middle of the floor. We don't have much time. People are going to be here soon. There's nothing more to discuss, hon. Yes, there is. Uncle Bernie says we're not showing Mom the proper respect. Bernie, what does he know about respect? He didn't have the decency to visit his own sister in the hospital. Sarah serves Arnold a cup of coffee. He was in Seattle on a business trip. That's a piss-poor excuse. He got on a plane the minute he heard it was serious. Well, he didn't make it in time, did he? For once in his life, the great St. Bernard screwed up. Sarah pours herself a cup of coffee, but she's too busy to drink it. Throughout the rest of the scene, Sarah is busily preparing for the arrival of visitors, setting out stacks of plates, silverware, napkins, condiments, etc. Meanwhile, Arnold sits and sips his coffee with no inclination to help her. He thinks we should be sitting Shiva. 
Bernie ran around on two wives. All of a sudden, he's the great moral authority? Come on, Dad. I have to work with him. Please don't let this turn into a thing between you two. It's not going to turn into a thing. He just needs to keep his nose out of my business. You can tell him I said so. He just wants Mom to have a proper shiva. Bernie doesn't make the rules. He's not going to tell me how to mourn my own wife. Okay. But it's my house. Don't I get a say in this? Of course you do. I remember when you always took my side. I'm not taking anybody's side. I just want to do what's right. If mom were here, we'd be sitting Shiva. If mom was here, there'd be no need to sit Shiva. <laughs> I think mom would have sat Shiva for you. Are you kidding? Selma hated all that religious crap. And I don't want to spend the next seven days pretending to be pious in front of her Vakakta family. They're not all bad. Aunt Barbara's kind of nice. Yeah, but she doesn't know when to shut up. And then you got Bernie's kids. Moron Michael and Lazy Leonard. What a pair of losers. They're not my favorites either. But you said you didn't want to be alone. I don't. I, I can't be alone right now. Especially not in that house. It feels so empty over there. I know, Daddy. Sixty years we were together. I know. So you'll stay with me for a little while, just until you get your bearings. I really appreciate it, hon. Maybe it's not such a terrible idea to sit Shiva. It might do us some good. Nah, I want to get this whole thing over with today. It's not right. It doesn't feel right. You know what's not right? Asking your father to put up with Bernie and the rest of them for a whole week, especially at a time like this. They look down their noses at me. Always have. So what, what am I supposed to do? If one of the cousins shows up tomorrow with a plate of kugel, you want me to pull the curtains and pretend no one's home? If Aunt Brittany brings over some rugula, you want me to slam the door in her face? Aunt Brittany, do you realize how ridiculous that sounds? She's younger than you are. Only by three years. As Bernie gets older, his wives get younger. Let's not talk about younger women. What? You're still sensitive? Yeah, you're better off without that son of a bitch. Dad, don't go there, please. You gotta get over that schmuck. It hasn't even been a year. You know how many pickles I could make in a year? I don't want to talk about Richard. I, I have other things on my mind. I just buried my mother, and now I have to entertain a house full of people. Listen to your father. Make it easy on yourself. Tell your stinking uncle, no shiver. Not even for family. I'm your family, and I say having Big Mouth Bernie and the rest of them sitting around here day after day, that'll just make us feel worse. It sure won't bring back your mother but it would give us time to celebrate her life. We could all share memories. I don't need other people for that. I got you. Okay, then maybe we should be talking about mom. Maybe we should. Right now, before people get here. So let's talk about her.
She was a good mother. She was a good wife. She was a good cook. Nobody could touch her brisket. <laughs> and she could sew anything. I mean, remember the, the mermaid costume that she made for me? She always wanted the best for you. <laughs> I suppose. You suppose? Of course she did. She loved to dress you up like a little doll. Yeah, I hated that. She'd make me try on dresses and strut back and forth in the dressing room like a runway model. It was very important to Selma how you looked. She wanted you to find a good husband. I wasn't looking for a husband when I was 14. That's when she badgered me into bleaching my hair, platinum blonde. <laughs> So I look like Marilyn Monroe, and then I went into the pool and it turned green. Lime green. Anyway, she always wanted you to have nice things. Remember how she fixed up your room? Oh, God, with that terrible white and gold French provincial furniture and that horrible hot pink shag carpet? And it looked like a bedello. She never understood why you didn't like it. Mom and I have different tastes had different taste. Um, we were very different. That's because you take after me. You're a pearl mother. She always hated that we're so much alike. Let's face it, I mean, she drove me crazy sometimes. Oh yeah, you and your mother could really go at it. Me? <laughs> All you two ever did was fight. All the time. Not all the time. Yes, you did. Your gambling, her diet, your football, her shopping, your- Shopping. Selma could spend more in one hour at Bloomingdale's than I could lose in a whole year playing poker. On one goddamn pocketbook. Don't start with the red purse. That purse could have paid for season tickets, midfield. It was a Louis Vuitton. She already had seven red purses, seven, and she never used them cost me a fortune to fill up her closet. Jesus, that woman could spend money. Okay. We're supposed to be saying nice things about her. We're right. It's hard to believe she's gone. You know, the whole time I was packing to come over here, I could hear her voice in my head. Arnold, don't forget to take your pills. Arnold, don't bring that ugly purple shirt. It looks horrible on you. That sounds like mom. It's kind of weird, but I, I think I'm going to miss her nagging. She meant well, your mother, even when she made us nuts. You know, I think she'd like that I'm staying over here with you. So you're not alone. Sarah brings out a chocolate frosted cake. I know what she'd like. A piece of this chocolate cake. <laughs> That's what killed her, the diabetes. She didn't take care of herself. She didn't listen to the doctor. She didn't listen to me. She didn't listen to me either. Even after the operation, she had to have her chocolate. I'd throw it away, but she'd always sneak it back in. I'm still finding Malamars hidden all over the house. What's the matter? I still feel bad about not sitting Shiva. What will people think? Now, what do we care what people think? Because I'm going to get blamed. This is my house, so it's all gonna fall on me. Let's just do it. It's only for one week. 
if you don't want to see anybody, you can always go hang out with Harry. I don't want to go hang out with Harry. I want to be right here with you, just the two of us. Don't forget, hon, it's me and you against the world. <laughs> always has been. But we've got to balance that You're with- You're afraid of Bernie, aren't you? No, that, that's, that's not it. And what are you, superstitious? You think your mother's ghost is going to rise up from the dead just so she can yell at us one more time? Don't be ridiculous. I, I just think we should err on the side of doing what's right. What, all of a sudden you're religious? No, but at a time like this, I think we should follow tradition. It's what people do. Look, hon, I got to get through this in my own way. After today, I want to be done with all the funeral and family crap. Then I just want to be left alone with my sweet baby girl. I'm 42, Dad, and I'm not that sweet. Sarah, you'll always be my sweet baby girl, no matter how old you are. Hey, can I get a refill? Sarah interrupts her busy preparations to pour coffee for Arnold. So no visitors after today, okay? Do it for me. Do it for your father. Let me think about it. Who bought you your first cello? You did, Dad. That cello is the only thing that's getting me through this divorce. Right. And who bailed you out of the great cookie crisis? You did, Dad. 48 boxes of toodaloos. Horrible tasting things. You don't have to remind me what a great father you are. Sarah sits out a jar of pickles. Oh, put those away, hon. The pickles? Everybody always wants to take home free pickles. People aren't coming for pickles. <laughs> Besides, it'll be mostly family. Family's the worst. They all think they're entitled. They come out of the woodwork and show up at the factory looking for handouts. This isn't the factory. It'll give them ideas. Instead of sitting shiva like they're supposed to, they'll be thinking about my kosher dills. So we are going to sit Shiva. Only for one day. <laughs> it's Shiva. Shiva means seven. You do it for seven days. There's who? Everybody. The, the ancient rabbis. Why should I listen to a bunch of gray beards from a thousand years ago? What the hell did they know? It's tradition. Tradition. You know what else is tradition? Tearing your clothes. You want to rip up that nice blouse? No and not taking a shower. Want to go a week without a shower? We have to adapt tradition to fit modern times. Exactly. So we'll sit Shiva for one day. Who's going to stop us? Uncle Bernie's going to give me such a hard time. If Mr. Big Shot thinks it's so important, let him sit Shiva at his own damn house. He has to go back to Seattle tomorrow. Goddamn hypocrite. Promise me you'll be nice to him. What do you think I'm gonna do? I know how you are. Me? No drama, okay? Hon, I'll be on my best behavior. No drama from me today. Good. Yep. You got nothing to worry about from me. Thank you. But I still think we're making a mistake. And put those pickles away, would you? Come on, Dad. Everyone's going to ask, where are the pickles? I know, I know. What's a shiver without pickles? But I'm telling you. Okay, no pickles. Sarah puts the pickles away. Just so you know, 
your Aunt Gloria's coming. So is Aunt Vivian. What? Yeah. I called them yesterday and asked them to drop by. Are you crazy? What's the big deal? Selma got along great with Bernie's first two wives. Not so much with wife number three, the Barbie doll. Dad, this is going to be a disaster. They all hate each other. I know. <laughs> you did this on purpose, didn't you? In honor of your mother's family. You are so bad. Bernie's going to have his hands full. And me and you can just sit back and enjoy the show. I'd better put away the sharp knives. The doorbell rings. Oh, God. They're here. <clears throat> While Arnold sits there sitting, sipping coffee, Sarah scrambles to put away Arnold's jacket, tie, and shoes strewn around the living room. He lets out a heavy sigh before she opens the front door. Blackout. Scene two. The time is three weeks later, September, late at night. At rise, the cello is gone from the living room. Sarah, wearing pajamas, sits on the living room floor reading a book. Soft classical music plays in the background. She nervously checks the time and then resumes reading. Arnold enters, wearing a Baltimore Ravens baseball cap. He carries a trophy. Where have you been, Daddy? It's after midnight. What, I have a curfew. I was worried. Arnold sets the trophy on the coffee table. Don't worry about me, hon. Let me worry about you. You're, you're usually home by now. Why didn't you answer your phone? I forgot to turn it back on. I was having too much fun. With the bereavement group? Yeah. After the meeting, a bunch of us went out to the diner. And you won a trophy? No. Don't you recognize it? Father-daughter dinner dance, B'nai B'rith girls, third place. <laughs> I remember this. We had some really good moves back then. I was never a good dancer. Oh, yes, you were. I bet you still remember our old routine. Arnold turns off the classical music. He holds out his hand as if to ask her to dance. Come on. It's after midnight, <laughs> and I don't remember. Sure you do. Arnold himself starts dancing. One, two, cha-cha-cha. Back, two, cha-cha-cha. Side, two, cha-cha-cha. Come on! Sarah is reluctant, but Arnold cajoles her into dancing with him. Arnold's movements are very animated. He's really into it. Sarah just stands there at first, holding Arnold's hand. Then she half-heartedly moves ever so slightly to the music. Meanwhile, Arnold keeps singing. One, two, cha-cha-cha. I think we used to be better at this. It's like riding a bicycle. You'll see. I won't see. <laughs> I gotta go to bed. What's the matter? I feel like I'm dancing with a dish rag. They stop dancing. I uh, had a tough day at work. Of course you did. You're putting in 10, 12 hours a day. Today it got personal. Oh, sit down. Tell your father. So I found an error in a monthly report, and I had to come down pretty hard on a junior accountant. Then I accidentally saw some email from people I thought 
<clears throat> were my friends. They called me a bitch and said, guess we all better kiss up to the boss's niece. Ah, uh, they're just jealous. I eat lunch with these people. It really hurt my feelings. First, Richard leaves me, then mom dies. Now my coworkers hate me and everything is falling apart. <laughs> Where did you get this thing anyway? Found it in the back of the closet. I stopped by the house to get my lucky raven's cap. <laughs> Your mother hated this hat. She used to hide it from me. But that reminds me, opening game is Sunday. Harry Finkins come on over here to watch the game. Oh, that won't work. My book club is meeting here Sunday. I don't mind. You can have your little hen party in the kitchen. Dad, I don't have a TV. I know. That son of a bitch. He can have it. I'd rather listen to music. It'd be better if you watched the game over at Harry's. Uh, no can do. Harry's wife can't stand to have the game on. Then watch it at your house. Oh, babe. I can't enjoy myself over there. Not yet. Yeah, don't you worry about the TV. I'll take care of it. Wait, wait a minute. I thought Uncle Bernie asked you to go to the game with him. Yeah, he was bragging about getting an executive suite this year. Isn't that way better than TV? Nah, I don't need Bernie's highfalutin suite. I'd rather watch the game right here with Harry. But Dad... Where should we put our trophy? How about over here? Arnold puts the trophy in a prominent spot on the bookcase, displacing one of Sarah's prized knickknacks. Please don't rearrange my stuff. Arnold stands back to admire the trophy. There. Now we can both enjoy it. Arnold sets the knickknack in an inconspicuous place. Hey, didn't you get this tchotchke from Piggy Boy? His name is Richard, and we got it in Maui on our honeymoon. I still like it, even though I don't like him. Uh, I never liked Piggy Boy. You never liked any of my boyfriends. I'll never know what you saw in him with that little turned up goyish noise of his. Knock it off, Dad. Oink, oink, oink. It wasn't funny then, and it's not funny now. Besides, he's history, so let's forget him. And the TV, too. I, I'd rather not. Oh, Sarah. I'm glad you talked to me into going to that bereavement group. Good. I thought it might help. You know, when you share your feelings... I don't believe in all that touchy-feely crap. Mostly the women sit around and brag about how miserable they are. And the women try to outdo each other. This one's husband did the dishes every night. That one's husband brought her roses every week. They were all married to Jewish saints. But you stayed out past midnight. I, I don't get it. The ratio is 10 to 1. What ratio? There's 10 girls for every guy. Although most of them are old bags. Daddy! What? They are. That's not very nice. And the other guys are alter cockers. I'm the only one who can drive at night. Your old man is quite a catch. Uh-huh. You should see it. I'm surrounded like General Custer the minute I walk through the door. They close in and jockey for position, all of them talking at me at the same time. I have to turn down my hearing aid. Then all I hear is a constant buzz, like a bunch of bees swarming around me. It's hard to imagine. Oh, yeah. 
I'm a chick magnet. They all think I'm charming and handsome and a big shot business tycoon. Everybody knows about my pickles. They even remember the old radio ad. Don't be fickle, have a pearl butter pickle. <laughs> it gives me an edge with the ladies. What's the matter? I just, I can't believe you're thinking about meeting women already. And it does no good to dwell on the past. Life's too short. I'm not going to sit around and wallow in self-pity. It's only been three weeks. Maybe a little more wallowing is appropriate. What for? So I can be miserable? No, but isn't bereavement supposed to be about coping with loss and grief? Selma appears on the landing of the staircase wearing a flowered print nightgown. She listens to the conversation but Sarah and Arnold do not see her. You never talk about mom. You change the subject every time I bring her up. Well, it's late, hon. Don't you have to work tomorrow? See, okay, you just did it again. It's true. You haven't said one word about mom since the day we sat Shiva. I thought we weren't supposed to mention that Shiva ever again. You're right. We're not. I figured putting the three wives together would spice things up a little. I didn't know it would turn into a free-for-all. Aunt Brittany has to wear a cast for three more weeks, and I still can't get that chopped liver stain out of the sofa. Best shiver ever! <laughs> How can you say that? How can you even think that? Okay, it's not a joke. Dad, we, we were supposed to be honoring my mother that day. Your wife, you, the one you never talk about. What's the point? Talking isn't going to bring her back. It's like you refuse to acknowledge that mom is gone. I know she's gone, and I miss her, okay? Do I really have to say it all the time? No, but I've, I've been reading this book on the five stages of grief. You're already in acceptance. That's stage five. You skipped the first four stages. Uh, you and your self-help books. You read too much. <laughs> You're stuck in denial. I, I mean, really, Daddy. You didn't cry once. Not even back at the cemetery. Of course not. I'm a man, not a baby. Well, I did. Selma disappears. Besides, I don't need a book to tell me how to miss your mother. I don't need a rabbi or a shrink either. I don't need sympathy and I don't want pity. Well, I worry about you. Well, don't worry about me, I'm fine. Are you? I guess I'm okay. But I'm still sad about mom. And I'm really overloaded at work. Uh, you work too hard. There's a lot going on. We're expanding our Southwest region, um, adding seven new locations. That's what I'm saying. You gotta relax once in a while. It'll help once we get a TV in here. I don't have time to watch it. There's nothing good on anyway. I really don't want a TV in here, Dad. That's what you think. You'll see. Dad. What time are you getting up tomorrow? 
6.30. And I'm beat. I'm going to bed. Good night. Sarah picks up Arnold's cap from the chair and hangs it on the coachry rack and starts to climb the stairs. No TV, okay? I hear you. Good night, hon. Arnold turns off the lights. Blackout. Scene three. Time is six weeks later, October, early morning. A large screen TV sits prominently in the living room. The trophy remains on the bookcase where Arnold put it. A Baltimore Ravens toss pillow was on the sofa. A Ravens cap and Ravens jacket hang on the coat rack along with the woman's sweater. A tasteful Halloween decoration, like something from a craft fair, hangs in the foyer. Arnold sits at the kitchen table wearing a Ravens sweatshirt and reading the newspaper. Several of his medicine bottles are lined up on the kitchen table. Sarah comes down the stairs and into the kitchen wearing a business suit. Morning, hon. What's for breakfast? The usual. As the scene continues, Sarah puts two boxes of cereal, milk, bowls, etc. on the table. She brews and serves coffee for both of them. It's going to be a beautiful fall day out there. Uh-huh. What's the matter with you? Uh, I gotta fire somebody today. So Bernie leaves all the dirty work to you. Part of the job. Hey. Could we keep your pills upstairs in the bathroom? I like to take them with my coffee. It's more convenient down here. Yeah, but I like to keep my table nice and- The Ravens have a real shot at the playoffs this year. They're three and two so far. It's only October. They're just one game behind the stinking Steelers. That's nice. And if the Steelers lose to the Cowboys... Uh, we hate the Steelers, right? Oh, yeah. We hate everything about Pittsburgh. The players, the coaches, even their stupid mascot. What did the Steelers ever do to you? Well, for one thing, they knocked us out of the playoffs last year. Mm. Anyhow, you can watch the games with me now. That TV takes over the whole room. Yeah. Ain't it great? Just one of the perks of having your old man around. It's been over two months now, Dad. Yeah, so? So two months is kind of a long time. You trying to get rid of me already? No, of course not. I, but it looks like you're doing okay now. I'm not ready, hon. In fact, I joined a second bereavement group at the Methodist Church. We're Jewish, Dad. I know, but the Methodists are pretty. Everybody knows that. Everybody does not know that. They got more blondes. Besides, I can't go back to the Jewish group anymore. They're such big yentas. What happened? I don't know. I was seeing these two ladies. One's a widow from Reisterstown. Her husband was a big shot professor. The other one's from Pikesville. She's a retired school teacher. Anyway... It turns out these two girls knew each other, and they talked to each other, and now everybody in the group is mad at me. Sounds like they were jealous of each other. That's stupid. There's no reason why you can't be friends with two women at the same time. Friends? What do I want to be friends with a woman for? What kind of a question is that? You can hang out together, have dinner, go to a movie. Nah, I got Harry and Joe Bloom for that. 
oh no. No, don't tell me you are dating two women from the same group. Not just dating. Gee, do I have to spell it out? I was seeing these women. We were stopping, okay? They were sharing the old pearl mother pickle. Ah, okay, okay, I get the picture. Really, Dad, two? What, a man can't enjoy himself? At the same time? In my dreams? No, I did them one at a time. On completely different days. And now I've got to find a way to delete that image from my mind. Your old man still got it. God, Dad, it's only been two months since the funeral. I was with one woman for 60 years, and for 60 years she made me miserable. I'm making up for lost time. Two women. How could you? They were lining up for me. They couldn't help themselves. You should be happy for me. You misled those women. They didn't realize they'd be sharing you. There's plenty of me to go around. Jesus! Please tell me you're at least using protection. You mean rubbers? You gotta be kidding. These women are in their 70s. They couldn't get pregnant if they tried. That's not what I'm talking about. You mean VD? What, you think I'm picking up hookers from the bereavement group? These are nice girls. They were probably virgins when they got married. Some of them act like they still are. I'm back in high school. <laughs> hey, let me ask you something. Oh, God. What's the big deal about foreplay? I am not going to discuss that with you. Come on, we're both adults here. Ask Harry. How would Harry know? He's married. So? I'm divorced, and I'm your daughter, for God's sake. But you're a girl. You know girl stuff. These women keep saying, I need a little foreplay. What do you need that for? Why fool around and waste time when you can get right down to business? This is so uncomfortable. Ah, so you can't explain it. I knew it. Just a way to make a guy jump through hoops before he gets to the goods. Uh, maybe you could think of it as preparation. Like, you know how the ravens stretch and, and do calisthenics and jog up and down the field before they start the game? It prepares them to play better. I'm too old for that. I gotta save my muscles for the kickoff. So what about when the woman- I need to do my laundry. What's the big deal? You're not a baby anymore. Why can't we talk about this? First of all, it's icky. Second, it's disrespectful to mom, to her memory. She's not here to know. That's not the point. What's the point? You haven't had enough time to mourn. It's not right. Who's to judge what's right? Those women and me, we're all single. And we're all consenting adults having a little fun. We're not hurting anybody. Mom's only been gone a couple of months. And you're using a bereavement group as your dating service. It's just wrong. You know who gets to say what's right or wrong? Me. And since when did you become such a prude? 
Arnold and Sarah sipped their coffee, not speaking. I'm not a prude, but, but having sex so soon after mom died, it dishonors her. I don't get it. All of a sudden you're sticking up for your mother. You didn't get along with her either. I know I didn't, but I loved her and so did you. Well, I'm out of here. Got a big shipment going out today, but first I gotta go see my cardiologist. Arnold puts on his raven's cap and gives Sarah a peck on the cheek. Yeah, how about telling me what he says this time? Uh, nothing to worry about, hon. Arnold exits. Sarah starts to clean up the dishes, still troubled. Selma enters and watches Sarah for a moment. Sarah does not see Selma until Selma speaks. Are you out of your mind, Mom? What were you thinking? Mom, is it really you? Who else? Who else would be caught dead in this hideous nightgown? It, it's the only one Daddy gave to the funeral home. You let your father pick it out? Now I get to spend eternity in the schmata from pennies while my Vera Wang goes to Goodwill. You came back from the grave to yell at me about your nightgown. Oh, that's not all. One day of Shiva. Oh, God. One lousy day to mourn your mother. Everybody else gets seven. Mrs. Wolanski, who couldn't be bothered to drive her kids anywhere. She gets seven days. Mrs. Goldman, who fed her kids hot dogs five nights a week. And they weren't even the good kosher ones. She gets seven days, but me, I Mom, get only... Mom, I'm sorry. And why didn't you defend my red purse? Not this again. I needed every single one of those red purses. The patent leather for spring, the straw bag for summer, the coach with the gold buckle for fall. The suede coat for winter, the cake spade with the tassels for travel, the clutch bag for dress, and the burgundy shoulder bag for every day. The Louis Vuitton matched my shoes, and it was on sale. I tried to tell Daddy, but... Never mind. That's not why I'm here. Sarah, look at you. What are you doing? What? I'm cleaning the kitchen. Letting your father move in with you. It's temporary. It's been nine weeks already. I know. He says he's not ready to leave yet. Why should he leave? You wait on him hand and foot. He treats you like a 12-year-old. Then why not? You act like one. Do not. Your father will stay here as long as you let him. You're going to have to throw him out. I could never do that. You can, and you will. Otherwise, he's gonna ruin your life. No, he won't. It's true, I like my privacy and peace and quiet and playing my cello. I can't practice when he's around. Do you like that eyesore of a TV taking over your living room? How about his raven's junk all over the place? And he expects you to serve him like he's king of the house. What? He can't make himself a lousy cup of coffee. I know. 
it's getting old, but I can't throw him out. He's my father. So what? We've always been so close. And he's always been so good to me. <laughs> you give him more credit than he deserves. And you never gave me enough. Daddy and I have a special connection. You know, that father-daughter thing. I'm sorry, Mom, but he was the fun parent. I mean, he's the one who took me out for Sunday pancakes and taught me how to ride a bike and, and rode with me on the first big roller coaster. And who took care of you day after day, year after year? Who carried you for nine months and went through 18 hours of pure hell to bring you into this world? Who rocked you and sang to you and changed your poopy diapers? Your father wouldn't lift a finger, said it was woman's work. Who got up with you in the middle of the night? Who made you a Halloween costume every year? Who cooked for you, cleaned for you, shopped for you, did your laundry? Appreciate and all those things. But really, isn't that what mothers are supposed to do? I mean, you expect your mom to do all that stuff, but daddy went above and beyond. He let my class visit the pickle factory, and that made me a big celebrity in third grade. That was your teacher's idea, and Arnold didn't want to do it. I had to talk him into it. He, he bought me all those cases of peanut butter cookies that I ordered by mistake. That was your troop leader's idea. I had to talk him into it. Well, he bought me my first cello. It changed my life. That was my idea. And I had to hock my mother's ring so we could buy it. But only your beloved father gets any credit. He's the only one who ever did anything for you. I'm just the mother. Well, the mother should have been nicer to the daughter. And this is the appreciation I get? Thank you. You're welcome. So what are you going to do about your father? You have to get rid of him. What am I supposed to do? Evict my own father? Exactly. I can't do that. It wouldn't be right. You're always doing the right thing for everybody but yourself. You're 42 years old. When are you going to start? I can't do it. Don't be such a doormat. Don't call me that. You let men walk all over you. You always have. Your father, your uncle, your idiot husband. Ex-husband. He wasn't an idiot. <laughs> a bastard, <laughs> maybe. But... Not Get a backbone, Sarah. I don't believe this. You'll always be a doormat until you stand up for yourself. My whole life is falling apart at home and at work, and now you come along and make me feel worse. A nice thing to say to your mother. You don't even miss me. You know what I don't miss? Getting hassled and being insulted. And, and having to defend myself against... And I don't miss your sassy mouth and your nasty attitude and your total lack of appreciation for all the sacrifices I made for you. Just leave me alone. Sarah turns away from Selma. Selma exits. When Sarah turns back, her mother is gone. 
I'm losing it. I really am. I just had a fight with my dead mother. Blackout. Scene four. Two months later, December, early evening. At Rise, the Halloween decoration is gone. In the living room, in addition to the toss pillow, a Baltimore Ravens Afghan throw blanket is draped over the sofa. On the coffee table is a menorah with five candles, the TV remote, and Arnold's clutter from the night before, such as half-eaten bag of potato chips, dirty glass, sports pages, etc. Winter coats hang on the coat tree rack. More medical supplies, such as pill bottles and a blood pressure cuff, are spread out on the kitchen table. Sarah is in the living room, wearing jeans and a casual top. She clears away Arnold's clutter from the coffee table. Next, she takes the remote, listens upstairs to make sure no one is coming, and hides the remote in an obscure place in the kitchen. Then Sarah sits on the sofa and starts typing on a laptop. Arnold comes down the stairs, whistling a cheerful tune. He is in stocking feet, but wears a nice sport jacket, slacks, and a well-pressed collared shirt. He carries a newspaper, shoe polish kit, and a pair of shoes. To Sarah's dismay, he spreads the newspaper out on the coffee table, sets the polish and shoes on top, and polishes his shoes. What are you doing? At a bereavement group meeting tonight. No. What are you doing? What does it look like I'm doing? Making a mess. On my coffee table. I got newspaper under it. Really? Dad, do that in the bathroom, please. I'm almost done. Dad. You worry too much. We don't polish shoes in the living room. You sound like your mother. I mean it, Daddy. I'm just touching them up. There, I'm finished. Arnold puts the polish back in the kit. He puts the shoes on his feet and buffs the shoes with a cloth as the conversation continues. When do you care about shining your shoes? What? A man can't make himself look nice without getting the third degree? No. Something's up. You've been acting weird all week. Yeah? Like what? Whistling and being in a real good mood even when you lost your card game. I lose all the time. But you're always grumpy the next day. So tell me what's going on. Or I won't clean that horrible stain off the back of your jacket. Arnold takes off his jacket and inspects the back. Finds nothing. <laughs> Kidding a kidder, are you? He puts his jacket back on. How do I look? Pretty sharp. Except for that lump in your pocket. Arnold pulls a remote out of his jacket pocket. Oh, I kept losing the remote. It was driving me nuts, so I got myself a spare. Now I always keep one on me. We wouldn't want you to miss out on any of the games all weekend long. So, why do you need to look good tonight? Okay, I admit it. Well? I'm in love. <laughs> yeah? With who? With a goddess. Uh-huh. And does this goddess have a name? Josephine. Josephine Rittenhouse. And don't call her Joe or Josie. She hates that. Okay. Tell me more. She's gorgeous, blonde, blue eyes, thin, not like your mother, and stacked like pancakes. Care what she looks like. 
what else is there? Uh, she used to be a librarian, and her husband was a big shot doctor in Pittsburgh. Steeler country. I thought we hated them. Don't be silly. We only hate the football team. Okay. So she's pretty, and she comes from Pittsburgh. What else? There's nothing else. She's new. I don't know her that well yet. Last week, I took her out for coffee. Tonight, I'm going to make my move. Wait. You're in love with this woman, but you hardly know her? I told you. She's gorgeous, and she's not climbing all over me. It's good to know you have standards. Oh, the other girls can't keep their hands off of me. They want me to drive them all over the place. But Josephine, she's different, kind of uh, aloof. Makes me want her even more. Wow, Dad, that is so eighth grade. Arnold gives Sarah a puzzled look. <laughs> you can't love someone until you really know them. Ah, that's what you think. Love is more than physical attraction. It's, it's when two people connect, mind, body, and spirit, when you're bound together by mutual caring and respect, when you- That horse crap is fine for you. For me, love is when I can't keep my hands off a woman. Uh-huh. Well, I hope she feels the same way about you. Well, she will. She just doesn't know it yet. Once I turn on the Perlmutter charm, she won't know what hit her. <laughs> yeah, Dad. You'll be irresistible. Oh, yeah. My next move is to invite myself over to her son's house for Christmas dinner. Wow. Dad, there are so many things wrong with that idea that it makes my brain hurt. What do you mean? Her whole family's going to be there. They'll be crazy about me. You don't invite yourself over to a stranger's house. He's not a stranger. He's Josephine's son. You wait to be invited. That's the way things are done. That's the way things are done for you. Me, I'm too old to wait. I gotta move things on a little bit. Bad idea, Daddy. You're imposing on them, and it's way too soon. You're wrong. Think about it. She's newly widowed. You're going to make her kids feel very uncomfortable. Ah, you worry too much. And you forget how charming your old man can be. It's not even our holiday. For Christ's sake, they're celebrating the birth of their Messiah. A Jew? And you'd have to bring presents for everybody. What, what are you going to give people you don't even know? What else? Perlmutter's pickles. Everybody loves them. Put a red bow around each green jar. And they got Christmas colors. Jesus. Dad, you just don't get it. It's their first Christmas without their father. Oh, hon, you don't get it. I'm going to cheer them up. They'll spend their holiday being glad that Josephine got herself a great new catch instead of sitting around missing the dead guy. Want to see what she looks like? Yeah. You got a picture? I took one at the last meeting. Arnold shows Sarah the photo. Isn't she beautiful? She's not smiling. I caught her off guard. Actually, she looks annoyed. But still pretty. What do you think if I framed this photo and sent it to her, you know, as a memento? Absolutely not. That's a terrible idea. Too late. I put it in a silver frame and mailed it off to her yesterday. Oh, no. What? What's wrong with that? You're 
pushing too hard. You're going to scare her off. Oh, my baby girl's giving me advice about women. I happen to be a woman, Dad. You want romance with Josephine? You got to take it slow. Go out and, and have some fun together. Take her to a nice restaurant or a movie or the theater. She likes books. Take her to a book signing. But get to know her. Get to know each other before you try to make your moves. That's easy for you to say. You're still a kid. You got all the time in the world. Me, I got a heart condition. Who knows how much time I got left? I could go just like that. That's what my doctor says could happen if I'm not careful. So I got to cut to the chase. What you got to do is slow down, Dad, especially at work. I think the business is stressing you out. Well, me? You're the one who's been knocking herself out. This is the first time in two weeks you got home before 10. I know, but I'm not pushing 80. And I don't have a heart condition. Maybe it's time you retired. I can't. Who else would run the factory? Now, if I'd have had a son, I could have handed it off to him. I was but, uh, perfectly capable. You of went off to work for your Uncle Bernie. You never learned the pickle business. You didn't think a girl could handle it, remember? Well, it's a complicated business. Oh, really? I'm CFO of a national restaurant chain whose gross receipts in one district quadruple those of, of your little pickle factory. Oh, don't get so excited. I'm not excited. I'm insulted. And you're a hypocrite, Daddy. When I was a kid, you told me all the time how smart I was. You always said I could do anything or be anything I wanted to. I never said you weren't smart. Of course you are. You take after me. But you never cared much about the pickle business. How could I? You kept me away from the factory. But you offered my philandering husband a chance to learn the business. Why? Because he was a man. Let's face it. You're sexist. And you never wanted a daughter. That's not true. I wouldn't trade you for a dozen sons. Well, then talk to me about the business. Have you thought about what'll happen to the factory after you're gone? I worry about it. A lot. All I know is Grandpa Herschel would turn over in his grave if his factory ever stopped making pickles. Would he want you to die of a heart attack on the factory floor? Maybe you should sell the place. I've had offers. In fact, just last week I got approached by some health food company. They want to make my pickles organic. The cucumbers, for God's sake, how much more organic can you get? You got offers? Why didn't you tell me? Because you're not interested in pickles, and I'm not ready to sell. I don't want to sit around on my can all day like some old retired fart. Josephine wouldn't like it. She wants a man who's out in the world, a mover and a shaker. Don't you think a mover and a shaker would have his own place? I do have my own place. But you don't live there. What's your point? You're trying to throw your old man out? It's been over four months. Oh, I'm not ready to live alone, hon. I'm still grieving. Look, I'm still going to bereavement group meetings. Give me a break. Dad, you're using that group to hook up with women. Everybody grieves in his own way, no matter what your stupid book says. 
I need more time to adjust to being alone. You haven't been alone since the funeral. Look how well I'm doing. Come on, you don't want me to be wandering around a dark, empty house, all sad and lonely. Just let me stay a little longer, Sarah. Do it for your father. I'm gonna be late for my meeting. Arnold puts on his winter coat as Selma comes down the stairs. See you later, kiddo. Arnold exits, Selma enters. Your father's an idiot. Don't say that. Chasing after that shiksa, making a damn fool of himself, thinks he's some kind of ladies' man. Those women only use him as a taxi service. I know. This skinny librarian he's so crazy about, watch. She won't give him the time of day. Your father hasn't read a book in 40 years. Anyway, I knew this would happen. What? Arnold's acting like a stupid kid. You gotta step up and take control, Sarah. And you gotta get him out of your house. For once in your life, stand up to him. I tried talking to him, but it didn't do any good. So, I'm waging psychological warfare. I started with his laundry. First, I turned all his white underpants pink, but he just thought it was funny. Then, I shrunk his favorite khaki pants. They're way too short, but he wears them anyway. So then, I tried hiding his TV remote, but he just went out and bought himself another one. Nothing is working. Don't let up. Take it from me. You gotta make the man miserable before he pays attention. Okay, but I'm worried about him. Mom, you know, his health, his heart isn't good. He really needs to retire. If he'd only listened to me, he could have retired 10 years ago with a big fat bank account. Not this again. We could have been rich if he'd sold the pickle business and partnered with my brother. But no, he refused to work with Bernie. Said Bernie didn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. So what happened? I'll tell you what happened. His stinking pickle factory hemorrhaged money while Bernie's restaurant spread all over the country like cream cheese on a bagel. Mom, that was 40 years ago. If it weren't for me, that pickle business would have gone under by now. I'm the one who got him to switch suppliers when Kaufman raised their prices sky high. And I'm the one who got him to advertise on the radio. I even wrote the jingle. Don't be fickle, have a pearl mutter pickle. Arnold didn't like it at first. He wanted to use pearl mutter, put the P in pickle. What the <laughs> hell does that mean? I, I don't know. <laughs> He had other harebrained schemes. He used to put on a pickle costume and walk around Lexington Market saying, Hi, I'm the Perlmutter Pickle. Eat me. That was before you were born. Anyway, that pickle factory has been nothing but trouble for years now. He can't compete anymore with the national brand. He ought to sell. I told him... Yeah, Mom, you're, you're not even alive anymore. You should let it go now that you've moved on. Does it look like I've moved on? Honestly, I don't know. 
I, I don't know if you're real or not. Maybe I'm losing my mind. Your father has that effect on people. He drove me nuts for 60 years. You've only had him around here a few months and look what it's doing to you. You keep letting him stay here, it's gonna get worse and it'll be your own damn fault. Daddy can be annoying sometimes, but right now, he's not the one driving me nuts. You are. Really? That's how you talk to your mother? Your dead mother? You want I should go away and never come back? No, I, I don't know. Talking to you is weirdly comforting, but this is not normal. You know what's not normal? Your father, a 79-year-old man sleeping with God only knows how many women, taking over your house, pushing himself on some hoity-toity woman he hardly knows. You never then... say one nice word about daddy. You are so bitter. He was a devoted husband to you and a wonderful father to me. Maybe he's not perfect, but he's a really good man. You're damn right he's not perfect. You've always seen him through the eyes of a child. There are some things you don't know. Maybe some things I don't want to know. Or shouldn't know. What you should know is your father is taking advantage of you. You gotta take control, Sarah. You gotta take control. Blackout. Scene five. The time is four weeks later. It's January, early evening. The menorah is back on the bookcase. A large portrait of Josephine, with blonde hair, blue eyes, and a serious, haughty expression, is propped against the wall with its back to the audience. The kitchen table is still cluttered with medical items. Arnold is pacing across the living room, having a heated conversation on his cell phone. He wears Pittsburgh Steeler footy pajamas. Because I already made plans. Other plans, okay? As Arnold talks, Sarah enters from outside, carrying a shopping bag containing a basket, a baby gift, and wrapping supplies. She hangs up her coat. She wears a baggy sweatsuit, and her hair is unkempt. Sarah goes to the kitchen and starts to make hot chocolate. Yes, with Josephine. So what? Ah, you're just jealous. Well, same to you, buddy. Arnold hangs up the phone and enters the kitchen. Who was... What's that? What? That thing you're wearing? Pajamas. Pittsburgh Steeler pajamas? That's heresy! It's my Christmas present. Josephine, she's got a real sense of humor. Oh, hysterical. You give her a pearl necklace from Tiffany's and she gives you... Cheap polyester pajamas. It's a joke, Dad. You don't have to wear it. Why let it go to waste? Keeps me warm. How about some hot chocolate? It'll warm you up without insulting the ravens. Sounds good. Then I want to show you something in the living room. Give me a minute. Arnold goes to the living room while Sarah prepares hot chocolate. Humming the Perlmutter's pickles jingle, Arnold takes down the Impressionist landscape from the wall and sticks it behind the couch. He replaces it with the portrait of Josephine. He stands back to admire it. Okay, come on in and take a look. Sarah goes to the living room. 
She stops in her tracks when she sees the portrait. What do you think? She looks like a Hollywood movie star, right? Oh, no. We are not hanging that in my living room. Where is my painting? Relax, I put it behind the couch. That one's a dime a dozen. This Take one. it down, Daddy. Come on, hon, it brightens up the whole room. Take it down, Daddy. I'm not kidding. If you don't take it down, I will. Your hot chocolate is burning. Sarah runs to turn off the stove. Arnold adjusts the painting to make it level. Then Sarah returns to the living room. This is ridiculous. Put it in your own room. There's no place for it in that little room. Then put it in your own house. We'll never see it. Then move back home. What, you don't want me around here? I didn't say that. I said I don't want that painting in here. Although it has been five months since you moved in, maybe we should it's talk. It's been great, hon. Staying here with you has made all the difference. Plus, me and you have grown even closer. That's nice, Dad. But five months is a long time. Don't you kind of miss being in your own home? Ah, I feel at home right here. Arnold readjusts the painting to make it level. Where did you get this thing, anyway? Did Josephine give it to you? No, I gave it to her. I took a picture to an artist and had it made. Cost me a fortune. It was supposed to be for Valentine's Day, but I couldn't wait. I gave it to her on New Year's Eve. Can you believe she doesn't want it? She said it was presumptuous. That's okay, it looks great in here. It's not staying in here. Why not? Because this is my house. I won't have some woman who I don't even know leering over me in my own living room. Well, I know her and she's terrific. And when you get to know her, you'll love her too. That's beside the point. Look, if I were going to put anybody's portrait up there, don't you think it would be mom's? Why didn't you get your artist to paint her portrait? You know, you still never talk about mom. And when I bring her up, all you do is complain about her. It's almost like you're glad to be rid of her. That's a terrible thing to say. It must be a terrible way to feel. I know. You know I loved your mother, but let's be honest. She made my life a living hell. Always nagging, always complaining. Nothing was ever good enough for her. Cruises to the Bahamas every year we had to take. A big Mercedes with gas mileage like a tank. That huge house that isn't even worth what we paid for it. If we'd have stayed in the old neighborhood, I could have paid it off years ago. But no, we had to move to Roland Park. Had to live in a gated community. Big eyes your mother had. Big eyes. I could never make enough to satisfy that woman. And as soon as I made it, she spent it. There was never enough to build up the business the way I wanted to. Never enough. I think Selma was sorry she married me. You know how that makes a man feel? Your generation, things don't work out, you get divorced. You could walk away from Richard, that son of a bitch. But me and Selma, we were stuck with each other. Until death. And now I got another chance. What's so wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with that. 
and I want you to be happy. But I still don't want this thing in my living room. Shara takes down the portrait. You know, you'd like Josephine if you gave her half a chance. You should introduce me to the 3D version. Invite her over sometime. I already did, a couple of times. She says she's not ready to meet my family. Your family is me, one person. I know, she's funny that way. Funny is not the word. I'd say she's indifferent, aloof, snobby. You only say that because you don't know her. You don't understand her. I don't understand you. You practically worship this woman, but she doesn't seem that into you. That's not true. Out of everyone in the bereavement group, she picked me to give her a ride to the foot doctor. Lucky you. Does she ever invite you in? No. And half the time, she doesn't return your calls. God, what do you see in her, anyway? Besides her golden blonde hair and sparkly blue eyes and big beautiful boobs, she's got a good head on her shoulders. A real class act. And deep down, she's got a heart of gold. Uh-huh. Arnold picks up the portrait. Look at that face. Like an angel. Arnold hangs the portrait on the wall. It's coming down, Dad. An angel with a heart of gold. Really? How many starving orphans did she save this week? She raises money for her alumni association. Where did she go to school? Yeah, some fancy schmancy college, uh, Swarthmore. She's very proud of it, even though they don't have a football team. So, she spends her time talking rich people out of their money. <laughs> that doesn't make her Mother Teresa. She also does fundraising for the Easter Seals. Okay. What exactly are the Easter Seals, anyway? Well, if I know, some goyish charity. It doesn't matter. That's gotta go. Come on, hon. Give it a week. It'll grow on you. Like a wart. Do it for your father. You're incorrigible. You're adorable. Now, how about some hot chocolate? It's ready. And that piece of... Art is coming down. Arnold and Sarah move to the kitchen. Sarah starts to serve hot chocolate when she notices the pill bottles all over the table. I bought a nice basket for you to keep your medicine in so your pills won't be spread all over the table. Sarah puts the medicine bottles in the basket. There. Now they're all in one place. They already were. Sarah serves the hot chocolate. Who's that you were talking to when I came in? Harry Finken. He's mad at me. What'd you do? Nothing. He's just mad because I won't watch the game with him on Sunday. Who are you watching it with? Nobody. You're going to watch it all by yourself. Nope. I'm not watching it. Period. I thought the Ravens were playing Miami. Isn't that the last game of the season? They are. It is. Sarah stares at Arnold uncomprehendingly. I'm going somewhere with Josephine. I promised her. Wow. I want to know what can possibly be more important than watching your Ravens make the playoffs. Come on, Dad. Fess up. Where are you two going on Sunday? Baby shower. A what? You heard me, a baby shower. <laughs> You're going to a baby shower. 
during the biggest game of the season? Who are you and what have you done with my father? Very funny. <laughs> Don't act so surprised. I already told you I needed a gift. You were supposed to get one for me. I did. Sarah takes the baby gift out of the bag and shows it to Arnold. Isn't it cute? I'll wrap it for you. Sarah starts to wrap the baby gift, but doesn't get very far. Boy, this, this kid must be someone special. Is it Josephine's first great-grandchild? Wait a minute. I thought her grandkids were in middle school, so they're too young to... Whose baby is this? Some old college friend of Josephine's has a granddaughter who's going to have a baby. Oh. My. God. Daddy. Where did you leave your balls? That's how you talk to your father? You sound like Harry. It's not attractive in a girl. Well, I never thought I would say it, but Daddy, you are pussy wit. Don't talk <laughs> like that. It's not ladylike. Pussy wit. Pussy wit. Cut it out. Meow, meow, pussy whipped. <laughs> I don't have to take this. Arnold grabs his coat. I'm going out. You might want to put on some shoes. Arnold storms upstairs, passing Selma coming down the stairs. He does not see her. Sarah returns to wrapping the baby gift. She holds up the gift to admire it. She hugs the gift to her chest, and her demeanor changes from bemused to serious to melancholy. Selma enters the kitchen. A baby shower? Arnold going to a stinking baby shower? He wouldn't even go to Leonard's Brits. Uncle Bernie never forgave him. A baby shower for a complete stranger. He's out of his mind. Sarah continues wrapping the gift. Pathetic. She doesn't even like him that much. Dad's never even been inside her house. She told him she didn't want the neighbors to see his car in her driveway. Maybe he should drive my Mercedes instead of that beat-up old Hyundai. He sold the Mercedes right after you. Look, it shouldn't matter what kind of car he drives. It's, it's like she's ashamed of him. Ashamed? What makes her so high and mighty? <laughs> she went to Swarthmore. So what? Her husband was a urologist. So she snagged herself a doctor. That doesn't make her better than anybody else. No, but she thinks she is. And she's nothing special. I mean, she's not even that good looking. I think you were much prettier when you fixed yourself up. Well, thanks, Cookie. You're not bad looking yourself. Although lately, you've been letting yourself go. In fact, Right now, you look like something the cat dragged in. Thanks a lot. Only a mother would tell you that. You don't need to tell me. I know what I look like. Yeah, you look like hell. What's the matter with you? Nothing. I'm fine. Sarah, listen to me. You can fool your friends and you can fool yourself, but you can't fool your mother. What's wrong? Nothing. Everything. I know life can be a pain in the ass sometimes. Glad I don't have to deal with it anymore. I envy you. Really? Want to talk about it? 
no, there's nothing to talk about. I just, I don't care anymore about anything. You know what your problem is? You spend too much time at the office. I saved the company $5 million last quarter. So what? Bernie must have been happy. He made me vice president. He says he wants to turn the company over to me in a year or two. The trouble is, um, I don't love the company the way he does. Or the way daddy loves the factory. Vice president. Who would have thought my little Sarahla would grow up to be a big shot corporate executive? It doesn't mean anything. I have the right to be proud, don't I? But I get it. In the end, it's not about work. What matters most of all is the people you love. That's what really counts. Yeah. And in the past six months, I've lost my husband, my mother, my, my real mother, and a father I thought I had. The nice one. You always thought your father was so great. You have no idea what I had to put up with. This is not helping. All right. So the men in your life let you down. They're men. What'd you expect? And I'm sorry I had to leave you, Cookie, but it wasn't my idea. At least you still got your old girlfriend. Mm. Karen invited me and Judy to spend a week with her in Orlando, but I really don't feel like going. That's not like you. Hmm. Well, you've always got your music. I haven't touched the cello since Daddy moved in. You should start playing again. It might cheer you up. Nothing cheers me up anymore. Hey, I, I've had a pint of fudge ripple ice cream sitting in my freezer since Christmas. Unopened fudge ripple? Okay, this is serious. It sounds to me like you're depressed. You ought to get some help. I mean it. Thank you, Dr. Perlmutter. I'm no shrink. But I've been there, Cookie. I've been down in that deep black hole where nothing makes you happy anymore. And it's awfully hard to climb out of that place on your own. You really ought to see somebody like I did. I don't know. Going for therapy, it seems so self-indulgent. Going for a facial is self-indulgent, not this. Anyway, I don't have time right now. We got a big proposal due in February, and then I have to work on taxes. You're making excuses. No doctor can fix my life. I'm 42 and all alone. Wait, no, scratch that. I don't even get to be alone. <laughs> my father has hijacked my house. Arnold comes down the stairs wearing khaki pants that are obviously too tight and way too short. Because you allow it. No, I let daddy bully me sometimes. I, I gotta stop it. You're gonna have to kick him out. He's not exactly homeless. He's got a four-bedroom colonial on a cul-de-sac. I want it to be his own idea. So I'm not doing everything I can to drive him out. I, I feed him steamed vegetables and boiled eggs for dinner. 
last weekend, I threw away his football snacks. <laughs> Instead of potato chips and beer, I gave him rice cakes and a detox smoothie made of soy milk and kale. Nice work, Cookie. Arnold puts on his coat. I'm going to the diner. I need a cheeseburger and onion rings. Arnold exits. That's the sound of a man in distress. I think you're making progress. <laughs> it's a war of attrition, Mom. But even after he moves out, what'll I have? Um, 15 years of marriage and I got nothing to show for it. How come you never pressured me to give you a grandchild? Would you have listened? Probably not. Richard never wanted kids and he made a pretty good argument. But now when I look back, you know, it may be for the best. Having a kid can ruin your life. You're just saying that to make me feel better. It's not like in the magazine ads where the mother in a white lace nightgown cuddles her darling little baby. In real life, the nightgown is stained with spit up and the mother looks and feels like hell. She's exhausted from being all up all night and changing poopy diapers all day. Then that baby turns into a rotten teenager and tears her heart out. Was I really that bad? Only toward me, and not all the time. Well, I'm sorry. A mother forgives. <laughs> Great. Now I can add guilt to this avalanche of depression I'm under. A little guilt never hurt anybody. Whatever. The past is past. All I've got is today, and today I've got nothing worthwhile to live for. No Kids, no husbands, no hope. Well, there's always hope, Cookie, especially for you. Look at you. All right, I'll go wash my hair. No, I mean, you got so much going for you. You got more brains in your little finger than all the boys in the family put together. <laughs> That's not saying much. You're also a beautiful girl. At least you used to be when you put on a little lipstick and a decent looking outfit. Mom. What I'm trying to say is you have a lot to offer. I know that. You don't have to build up my self-esteem. I'm not insecure. I'm just empty inside. I remember something my therapist told me. She gave me a recipe for happiness. Yes, a recipe. It had three ingredients, something to do, someone to love, and something to look forward to. <laughs> well, I got plenty to do. Besides that proposal, I got a marketing plan to review by Monday. Something to do that you like. I don't have time for that. Open your eyes, Sarah. Look at me. Time runs out before you know it. This is supposed to cheer me up? All right. But for now, forget about having something to do. How about someone to love? When's the last time you had sex? Mom! What? We're two adult women. We can talk about this. 
it's been a while. How long? Before we split up, we were living like roommates. Roommates who didn't like each other. You're 42, Sarah. In your prime, you have no idea what you're missing. Oh, I have an idea. <laughs> but it's a distant, fading memory. It never feels better than in your 40s. When I was your age, your father used God, to Ma, do this. My head will explode if you go there. Okay, okay. But it bothers me that your father is having more sex than you are. We gotta find you a man, a good one. <laughs> All the good ones are taken. These days, they recycle. And if I met somebody, what would I do with them? I can't bring them home with my father here. When you meet the right one, you'll find a way. But let's move on to the third thing. You got anything to look forward to? No, not really. Nothing? I don't even dream anymore. Let's face it, I'm never gonna play like yo ma and i'm never gonna cover the refrigerator with my grandchild's artwork maybe you need a new dream not interested just not interested you gotta have a dream cookie what's the point don't be stupid i thought i was the intelligent one just because you're intelligent doesn't make you smart you're conflating things. There is no correlation between being smart and being happy. You want to be happy? You got to be smart. Go out and get the three ingredients. <laughs> what the hell? I, I guess I could try online dating. Judy met her boyfriend that way. What do you have to lose? It might even be fun. I doubt it, but... I'll think about it. Don't think about it. Don't talk about it. Just do it. Take control, Sarah, one step at a time. Start with the cello. Get back to playing your cello. It's hard to play when daddy's around. Do it anyway. Listen to your mother for once in your life. Sarah starts to leave the kitchen. One more thing. You gonna leave that hideous thing on the wall? Meanwhile, there's not one lousy snapshot in here of your own mother. For the record, you hated having your picture taken. In every photo, your hands are covering up your face. It's a little late to take one now. <laughs> You're right. This has got to go. Sarah removes the portrait and sets it against the wall. Thanks, Mom. Blackout. Scene six. The time is three months later. It's April, Easter Sunday morning. The landscape picture and the portrait of Josephine both are hanging on the living room wall. A cello case is in the living room. The winter clothes are gone from the coat tree rack, replaced by light spring jackets or cardigans. Selma sits at the kitchen table, which is very cluttered with medical items. Sarah, wearing sloppy clothes, is spraying perfume throughout the living room. She continues spraying as she ascends the stairs. She exits briefly to her bedroom, returns with her laptop, and descends to the bottom of the stairs. 
Meanwhile, Arnold comes downstairs in his underwear and stops on the landing. God, this place stinks. Smells like a French whorehouse in here. That's wild gardenia. Mom used to wear it, remember? Oh, yeah. How could I forget? I always hated that crap. I picked up some wheat germ at the, at the market yesterday. I can make you a nice smoothie for breakfast. Oh, I'd kill for some salami and eggs right now. Nothing for me this morning, hon. I gotta head out soon. Arnold exits upstairs to his room. Sarah enters the kitchen, sees all the medical items scattered on the table, and looks in vain for the basket. Where's the basket? Looks like a pharmacy in here. I had a basket. Where did it go? Damn it, where's the basket? You used to dress a lot better. It's Sunday morning. Just because you're hanging around the house doesn't mean you have to look like a schlump. You never know who might come to the door. Sarah puts her laptop on the kitchen table, turns it on and types while Selma talks to her. Don't start with me, Mom. Not today. You got in awfully early last night. What? This one wasn't good enough for you either? Really? Don't start. What was it this time? His looks, brains, what? I don't want to talk about it. You're not getting any younger. The guy was a jerk. He showed up an hour late with no excuse. I'm not getting any younger either. Then he talked about his ex the whole time. I'm also not getting any older. He expected me to pick up the check. What a schnorrer. Well, it's not going to happen again. There, I deleted my account. No more online dating for me. You sure you want to do that? You only gave it a couple of months. A couple of months of dating hell. You gotta give it a chance. You might have to kiss a few frogs before you find the handsome prince. Life is not a fairy tale. No, and you're not exactly Sleeping Beauty. Oh, thanks. Remember, Cinderella had to go to the ball to meet Prince Charming. Eh, who needs him? By now, Prince Charming is probably bald, middle-aged, and saddled with child support payments. Nobody's perfect, especially men. That's for sure. Rather hang out with my cello. At least you have something between your legs. Mom! I'm just glad you started playing again. I'm still a little rusty. It'll come back. You used to be so good. The teacher said you should try out for the symphony. Mm, I decided I'd rather eat and have a roof over my head. Maybe you could find a local group to play with. Make, make some new friends. Who knows? You might meet a nice man. I don't need a man. Really, look, Karen and Judy are a lot nicer and way more interesting. Oh, that reminds me, they're coming over today. My book club's gonna be here at 2.30. Sarah starts setting up the table for her book club meeting. Girlfriends don't keep you warm at night. A puppy can keep you warm at night. I'm not talking about the thermostat, in fact, your father... Let's not go there. Your father had a technique... Where are my brownies? I made brownies yesterday. <laughs> I could swear I left them here. Ask your father. And don't change the subject. No, I don't want to discuss your sex life, Mom. 
or mine, okay? Let's get back to my girlfriends. Girlfriends don't help pay your bills. Girlfriends don't hijack your TV to watch sports all day. Girlfriends don't leave the toilet seat up. You're right. It's annoying as hell. Girlfriends don't leave their dirty socks on the floor, and they sure as hell don't cheat on you. Arnold could be a horse's ass, but he never did that. He's making up for lost time now. He's making a damn fool of himself, but he's nothing like your stinking ex. When the chips were down, I could always count on him. When I had the surgery, he stayed with day and night. If I ever really need something, he'd move heaven to get it. Compared to Richard, your father is a rock. Arnold comes down the stairs. He wears a seal costume from head to toe and carries a pill basket, which is filled with colored Easter eggs. Sarah hears Arnold coming and meets him at the bottom of the stairs. Don't tell me. I am the Easter seal. Josephine's group is doing an Easter egg hunt in the park today. Some kind of fundraiser for the Easter seals. Anyway, the usual Easter bunny guy broke his hip a couple of weeks ago. She asked me if I'd fill in for him. So... I figured Easter bunnies are dime a dozen. And then I realized the play on words. Easter? Seal. Clever, huh? <laughs> Brilliant. Does Josephine know about this? It's a surprise. She's gonna love it. Bad idea, Daddy. Why? There's no such thing as an Easter seal. Hun, I think you're old enough. I can tell you this now. The Easter bunny isn't real either. I know that, but he's a tradition. People expect, and bunnies go with springtime. Why can't seals go with springtime? Seals don't have eggs. Neither do bunnies. None of it makes any sense. Okay, you're right, but you're messing with an icon. You're going to scare the little kids. Not when I give them a chocolate egg. Want one? No, but that reminds me. Have you seen my brownies? Yeah, I took them to the bereavement group last night. Don't look at me like that. What? There was nothing wrong with them. They tasted good. Except next time, you should make them with nuts, walnuts. Josephine likes them better that way. You took my brownies. You took all my brownies, the brownies that I baked for my book club and didn't even think to ask me. Well, what's the big deal? It's just brownies. Geez, I can stop by the store on my way home if it's so important. You're not even sorry, are you? Hon, you're making way too much of this. What's the matter with you? Is it that time of the month? Oh, you did not just say that. You're being way too sensitive. Something's eating you. What's wrong? What's wrong? What? What's wrong? I'll tell you what's wrong. Okay, I, I open my home to you after mom's funeral. I figure you'll stay a couple of days, maybe a week or two. Karen warned me. Be careful, she said. He might not want to move back, but I knew my father. My father would never impose on me. My father only wants the best for me. So what happens? 
you come in here and you take over the house with your giant TV and your football team junk and, and, and your altar to some pretentious old woman who I don't even know. You, you clutter up my kitchen with medicine bottles and expect me to wait on you and cook and clean for you while you just sit there like, like you're entitled. The way you treat me, the, the way you treat women, except your beloved Josephine, it's demeaning, it's disgraceful. You know, what bothers me most, the way you treat mom, her, her memory. She built a life with you for 60 years and you never even mention her name. Well, I've had enough, more than enough. It's, it's time for you to go. In fact, when you get back, from making a fool of yourself today. You can start packing your bags. No, I will pack them for you. Tonight, you will sleep in your own house and I'll start getting my life oh. back. Oh. That's not even what a seal sounds oh. like. Oh. It's not funny and it isn't working. You better call 911. Your father is having a heart attack. Oh. Arnold collapses on the floor. Blackout. Scene seven. The time is one week later, May, late Saturday morning. Some get well cards are on the kitchen counter, along with a stack of unopened mail. On the kitchen table, the basket is full of medical supplies. A walking cane is within Arnold's reach. Arnold and Sarah are sitting at the kitchen table. Sarah is making out her grocery list casually dressed. Arnold is wearing Sarah's pink bathrobe over his pajamas. He is doing some personal hygiene tasks, such as cleaning out his ears or clipping his toenails. Get a nice steak. T-bone if they have it, or a ribeye. That's red meat. Chicken then, fried like you made for the company picnic. I'll make chicken soup. You can have the boiled meat with rice and peas. I remember when you used to be a good cook. It's hard to be a gourmet chef when you can't use salt or fat. Sarah walks down the stairs. Ah, you listen too much to those doctors. And you completely ignore them. When are you going to schedule the surgery? I told you, I'm not having it. You have to, Daddy. The doctor said that if I you- I know what the doctor said. What does he know? Weren't you the one who complained that mom never listened to the doctor? Thelma enters. Arnold can't see or hear her. This is different. How? I'm not your mother. You can say that again. You're acting like her. I mean, the doctor Doctors said- Doctors don't know everything. Anyhow, it's not his call and it's not yours. It's my decision. You're not thinking clearly, Daddy. My heart's messed up, not my head. I know what I'm doing. Then, You're putting my father's life at risk. I'm not going to be sliced open like some kind of salami. Anyway, the way I see it, when your time is up, your time is up. The way I see it, you can either give up and wait to die, or you can take advantage of modern medicine. For what? To add more candles to my birthday cake? Those doctors can't make me young again. You're doing all right for a guy your age. He acts like a two-year-old. I'm an old man, Sarah. 
and I don't want to spend my final days wasting away in some hospital. I want to die in peace in my own house. He hasn't lived in his own house for nine months. The gate guard won't even recognize him. Truly, this isn't your house. Oh, that's good. Go ahead and mock a dying man. Arnold pulls out his cell phone and stares at it. What are you doing? Waiting for Josephine to call me back. What's the urgency? I called her two days ago when she was in the middle of something. Said she'd call me back. I want to ask her out tonight. Send her a text. I did. Twice. She must be awfully busy. Sarah puts the shopping list in her purse. Need anything healthy from the store? No. But before you go, I need you to do something. Get out your computer and buy some flowers for me. You're not dead yet, Dad. They're for Josephine to let her know I'm thinking about it. You gotta be kidding me. Dad, she never came to see you in the hospital. And she hasn't returned your calls. She, she doesn't even bother to send you a card. Yes, she did. She signed the one from the bereavement group. Her Highness signed it in the bottom corner. We all miss you. Get well soon. Real personal. Who over the age of 12 puts a circle over the letter I? She was mad at me. What did you do this time? She was embarrassed when I didn't show up at the Easter egg hunt. For God's sake. You were in the freaking hospital unconscious. Actually, she was more mad at you. Me? She doesn't even know me. That's her own damn fault. She thinks you should have called to let her know. Oh, oh, really? I've got my father dying in my arms and I should stop everything to tell Queen Josephine that the Easter Bunny isn't coming? Technically, it was the Easter Seal. She thought it was the least you could do. A common courtesy, she said. Well, you can tell that bitch that a common courtesy would have been for her to take 10 minutes out of her busy schedule to meet her boyfriend's daughter. But calm down and don't call her a bitch. It isn't nice. She's got a hell of a nerve. She's got some nerve. All right, forget the flowers. What were we talking about before that? Your heart operation. Right, there's another reason I can't have the surgery. It would put me out of commission for six weeks. Who's going to run my factory? Don't worry. I, I already talked to Uncle Bernie. Keep him away from my pickles. He said I could take a couple of months off if I had to. My brother's a real man. What? You're going to run the factory? Why not? I have an MBA from Wharton. You can't learn how to run the pickle business from a book. Actually, you can. Oh, that's what you think. How would you know? You never went to college. I couldn't. Someone had to take over the factory when Papa got sick. I was 17. I know. I took care of Mama and practically raised your Uncle Morty, God rest his soul. I know, and I'm sorry. But it doesn't alter the fact... Is you read a bunch of books and listened to some eggheads yakking about work. Something they've never done themselves. Did you ever see any dirt or sweat on their pinstripe shirts? Any calluses on their hands? No, but you don't need dirt, sweat, or calluses to run a company. I'll tell you one thing. You don't ask a man to do something you haven't done yourself. 
management requires a completely different set of skills. That's what they taught you at your hoity-toity school. My school was the real world. I don't expect you to get it, Dad. You are so stuck in last century that modern business practices elude you. That's why your company is barely profitable. Those pickles put you through that highfalutin school. Actually, years at Maryland. Uncle Bernie paid for Wharton. Such a mensch. Again, with your Uncle Bernie. Bernie, the big gods of Kanaka. You and your mother think the sun rises and sets on Bernie. Come on, Dad. That's not fair. You're telling me. Uncle Bernie has helped me a lot, and I'm grateful. You should be, too. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. Deep down, way deep down inside, your Uncle Bernie is a schmuck. A big lucky schmuck. What is your problem? All these years, he's been nothing but nice to you. And he's been kind and generous and encouraging to me. Uncle Bernie's like a second father to me. A second father? A second father? I'm your father? What, I'm not good enough for you? Daddy, of course not. I, I didn't Oh, no, no, that. I get it. For your information, the great Saint Bernard cheated on his first two wives and he raised two lazy, good-for-nothing sons. But that's okay, because with all his money, he pays for your fancy-schmancy school, and he gives you a big, important job, and now he gets a daughter. My daughter! He doesn't have your daughter. Did the mail come yet? Come on, Dad, you've always been my hero. Is that today's mail? Anything for me? Yes, it's today's mail. Dad, look at me. No man, no boyfriend, no husband, no uncle can ever take your place. You mean it? You stupid schmo, of course she means it. You know I do. Sarah flips through the mail. Hey, here's something for you. <laughs> From Josephine Rittenhouse. I knew she would come around. Arnold takes the card and starts to read it aloud while Selma stands behind him, reading over his shoulder. Dearest Arnold, dearest. Go on. I hope by now you are well on your way to a full recovery. I want you to know how much your friendship has meant to me over the past six months. Your sincerity, warmth, and humor helped me get through a very difficult time, and I'll always treasure the happy moments we had together. However, I have met someone who... Arnold breaks off and re reads the rest of the card silently to himself. Then he tears up the card and throws it in the trash. He sits back down and buries his head in his hands while Sarah tries to console him. Bitch. Blackout. Scene eight. The time is two months later, July, in the evening. In the living room, the portrait of Josephine is gone. The raven's afghan throw is back on the sofa. Coachry rack is empty. Arnold sits on the living room sofa wearing shorts and a raven's t-shirt. He's flipping through a contract document. Sarah enters through the front door wearing a professional looking summer suit or dress. She carries some takeout food, which she sets on the kitchen counter. 
On the kitchen table, the empty basket is surrounded by pill bottles and medical supplies. Sarah puts the medicines back in the basket as the scene unfolds. Arnold rises and sticks the document in the waistband of his shorts. He uses a walker to join Sarah in the kitchen. You hungry yet? Arnold throws the contract on the kitchen table. No, I lost my appetite. Oh, Daddy, don't be like that. Like what? You want to give away my factory? I don't want to give it away. I want you to make a wise business decision. You want to give away everything I ever worked for. It feels like losing a child. Come on, Daddy, it's a pickle factory whose quarterly earnings have been flatlining for years. We're lucky to get such a good offer. I'm not so sure it's luck. I saw the latest numbers. Sales are up 20%. How the hell did you do that? Networking, Dad. I'm a chip off the old block. Of course you are. But with sales going through the roof, we ought to hold on to it. Maybe hire a couple more guys on the floor. No, Dad, this is the perfect time to sell. It's not just the money. What's this town going to do without Perlmutter's pickles? Didn't you read the contract? They're going to keep the name. Your legacy will be preserved. The factory is all I got. First I lose my Selma, then I lose Josephine. Selma comes downstairs and enters the kitchen. Arnold can neither see nor hear her. When are we going to stop talking about that woman? It's been two months already. Can't help it. I still miss her every day. I miss taking her out for coffee. I miss hearing her voice on the phone. Do you miss getting kicked in the teeth? You don't really miss her. You miss the illusion of being in love. I don't know what I did wrong. I took her to nice places, bought her nice things. Nothing I did made her happy. And I wanted it to work so bad. I wanted one last chance to make something work. Oh, I need a Zantac. It was never going to work because she didn't want it to. She led you on and she used you. You were just her escort, her chauffeur. Her lapdog. She could be nice when she wanted to. And she was great in the sack. But she sure was good looking. She looked like a basset hound. I don't know. I only saw a few photos and that painting. But her face was kind of droopy. Come to think of it, she was a little saggy. And that pouty upper lip, did she ever smile? That's it, hounds don't smile. Not so much. Most of the time she looked like she just swallowed one of my sour pickles. You two had nothing in common. You hated it when she dragged you out to the opera. Oh, twice I went. Grown men and women screeching at the top of their lungs in a foreign language, no less. It was torture. She got mad when I fell asleep. I hope you snored like a vacuum cleaner. She got mad so easily. Oh, she was really pissed when I told her about my Easter seal costume. Said it would have humiliated her. I don't know what happened to her sense of humor. <laughs> it was in the same place as her head. Stuck up her big fat... She was stuck up, Dad. Everything about her was pretentious. Her clothes, her hair. What a matter? I didn't have to. I can tell that woman was very uptight. I bet her house was all formal and stuffy. It probably looked like the palace at Versailles in there. 
I wouldn't know. I never went inside. What? You were dating her for six months and you never went in her house? Where did you two go? I mean, you're a little old for the back seat of a car, Dad. She'd meet me over at the house. In my bed? In Mom's bed? She didn't like the house. Although she thought Selma's taste in furniture was a little, what'd she call it? Ostentatious. Ostentatious? Who the hell is she to come into my house? And How could you do such a thing, Daddy? In Mom's bed. And it was my bed, too. And Mom's gone. That's what you think. Really? Dad, you should be ashamed. I don't feel so good. It was an insult to Mom, to her memory. A man has needs. Physical and spiritual needs. <laughs> spiritual? Really? Did you wear a yarmulke while you were stepping her? Let's be honest. You were not on a quest for enlightenment. You just wanted sex. It was more than that. I guess I, I wanted true love. True love, my ass. True love doesn't come from banging some broad who doesn't return your phone calls. It comes from sharing the same dreams, the same struggles. You build it slowly, little by little, and it grows stronger over time. You ought to know that. I really don't feel so good. What's the matter? I don't know. Pro probably indigestion. I must have eaten too many of those goddamn goji berries. Maybe you would better lie down. Do you want me to call the doctor? No, no I'm okay. Anyhow, I've got an appointment with him in the morning. You don't look so good. I'm fine. No, you're not. You're getting weaker. You can barely get around anymore. No wonder. The nurse jams a needle in my arm as soon as I walk in the door. I've been stuck so many times I feel like a goddamn voodoo doll. Who knows what all these pills are doing to me? They're keeping you alive till you quit being so stubborn and get that operation. You need it, Dad. That's why you feel so bad. Oh, it's those berries. Or the chia seed pudding. It really worries me. Okay, I wish you would listen. Don't worry, hon. I'll be okay. But maybe I'll lie down for a minute. Sarah helps Arnold get back to the living room using his walker. He lies down and closes his eyes while Sarah covers him with the afghan. He falls asleep as Sarah returns to the kitchen and serves herself some takeout food. Your father had sex with Miss Prissy Pants in my bed. I don't know whether to feel disgust or pity. He's absolutely shameless, but he's so unhappy. He's a putz. Pining away after that snobby bitch. Where's his pride? His self-respect? Dad's not the man he used to be. It seems like my old father died along with you, Mom. He never was the man you thought he was. But he always loved me. He loved us. Oh, he loved you but he loved himself first. You never realized how self-centered he was. Self-centered and self-destructive. Self-destructive? 
she made bad decisions. You know the story. When my brother was starting up his restaurant, I begged Arnold to sell the factory and go into business with Bernie. But Arnold wouldn't listen, said his father would turn over in his grave. He gave away our future so he could keep that goddamn pickle factory. I've heard this a hundred times, and you told Dad a hundred times, too. You should hear it five hundred times. His bad judgment ruined our lives. Come on, Mom. We weren't exactly destitute. We just weren't rich. It's not just that. He made a bad business decision. That's not a crime. It is a crime to be so stupid and so stubborn that you jeopardize your family's welfare. You're being too hard on him. You don't know the whole story. So tell me. When Bernie's business started to really take off, your father went nuts. Suddenly, everything that was wrong in the world was Bernie's fault. I told him, why are you mad at Bernie? You're the one who flushed the opportunity down the toilet. That probably didn't help. He should have been ashamed of himself for being such a schlemiel. Instead, he got jealous of my brother. He knew he could never sell enough pickles to catch up to Bernie. So he came up with all kinds of crazy schemes to make money. He teamed up with Harry, right? Harry Finkham, another real loser. Their exotic pet store went under within six months. What does your father know about animals? Same with their magic and costume shop. It didn't last a year. He should have known better. When Bernie made his first million, Arnold got even more desperate. Without asking me, he borrowed some money, a lot of money, and went up to Atlantic City. He was going to win a fortune, probably so he could make more bad investments. Anyhow, he lost a third of it the first night. When he tried to win it back the next day, he lost even more. He lost enough to cover the cost of a new house. I'm glad I wasn't around for all this. You were still in diapers. How much did he lose? It took Arnold 20 years to pay off that weekend. I would have been so pissed. That's when I started going shopping and seeing a therapist. Wow. I didn't want to believe it. Huh? Uncle Bernie told me about Atlantic City. He promised he would never say a word. No one was ever supposed to know about it. Oh, he was so mad at daddy after the shiva said it was about time I learned how reckless and irresponsible my father could be. And ever since he told me, I don't, I can't look at dad the same way I used to. I mean, when I was a little girl, daddy was my idol. You've been chipping away at that idol ever since I can remember. Then Uncle Bernie came along with a sledgehammer and smashed it into a thousand pieces. I'll never be able to put those pieces back together again. Sorry, Cookie. I'll get over it. But you never did. God, you, 
you held on to your resentment and it soured your marriage for over 40 years. No wonder the two of you were so miserable. So now it's my fault? Your father throws away all our money away on one stupid thing after another, and I'm the bad guy? There is no bad guy. Don't you get it? Daddy made some terrible choices. He, he still does. It's annoying and frustrating as hell. And believe me, I've learned a lot over the past nine months. How could I ever respect him? Our lives could have been so much better. You should have let it go instead of making him pay for it every day of his life. It made me hate you sometimes. You think I didn't know that? I wish you'd told me all this a long time ago. It would have helped to explain the constant warfare that I've had to listen to all my life. Believe me, there were plenty of times when I wanted to, but I figured the way a daughter sees her father, that's the way she's going to see her husband. And I wanted you to have a happy marriage. You mean better than yours. A mother can dream. Sorry to disappoint you, but I'd rather be divorced and alone than stuck with the wrong man. Well, you're better off without Richard. I'd have left that son of a bitch long before you did. Then how come you never left Dad? When you were little, we stayed together for your sake. Didn't want you to have a broken home. Once you grew up, well, we sort of needed each other. You live with someone year after year, raise a child together, build a life together. You get used to having them around. And that was enough for you? Why do you suppose I've been hanging around here? Think I've got nowhere else to go? I don't know what to think. I mean, sometimes it seems like you're only here to aggravate me. I think you know better than that. You could be a figment of my imagination. Try to imagine the last nine months without me. So I dreamed you up because I needed you? Maybe, maybe not. But it's nice to hear you say you needed me. Anything else you want to tell me? Uh, actually, that's not what I said. You just said I needed you. I heard it. Okay, okay. What else do you want from me? A little appreciation wouldn't hurt for once. Really? Do I have to say it, Mom? Do, do I have to say thank you? Do, do I have to say I might have been wrong about you sometimes? Maybe I wasn't always right, but that's because you were so secretive and so critical and you never... Would it kill you to admit I was a good mother? I admit that you loved me and wanted the best for me. You want more than that? Nah, I'll take that. A mother knows when to stop pushing. Since when? But if you really wanted to show your appreciation... Oh, you gotta be kidding. Here's what I want from you. Go out there and live your life, Sarah. Have some fun. 
find yourself a nice guy to grow old with. I've pretty much given up on finding Mr. Happily Ever After. You've still got a shot at it, Cookie. The right guy could come along any day. You just have to be open to it. If it happens, it happens. I'm telling you, if you give that online dating more of a chance... I am not doing that again. Put on a little makeup. I am wearing makeup. Not enough. One way or another, you got to put yourself out there. Do something. Learn to play tennis, maybe, or take up golf. I'm not going to play tennis or golf. I'm not desperate. Okay, you don't want to look desperate, but get out of the house. Get involved with something, anything. I did. I joined an orchestra. That's great. (laughs) Why didn't you tell me? Does this orchestra have any men? Straight men? What kind of a question is that? Everybody knows the best musicians are gay. Everybody does not know that. Leonard Bernstein, Aaron Copeland, Stephen Sondheim. There's around 60 musicians. About half of them are men. I haven't taken a survey of their sexual preference. Hopefully the straight ones aren't married. The conductor's single. Is he under 70? Probably in his 40s. He's a professor at Towson. Quite good looking. And I think he likes me. How do you know? He asked me out. You said yes, didn't you? Yes, I said yes. He's taking me to dinner Saturday night. Good. Try not to blow it this time. Blackout. Scene nine. Three weeks later, August, Friday evening. In the living room, there's a hospital bed, or the couch is made up as a bed, and a walker. The bookcase shelves hold stacks of neatly folded men's clothes. A newspaper is on the bed. In the kitchen, medicine bottles are spread out around the basket on the table. Arnold sits on the edge of the bed, changing out of his pajamas and slippers into pants, a Raven's t-shirt, and sneakers. Sarah comes down the stairs wearing a cute, casual, sexy outfit. She notices that Arnold is having trouble putting on his shoes. I can help you with that. I got it. She helps him with his shoes. It's good to see you wearing real clothes again, like a regular person. Well, Harry's coming over. Preseason game tonight. Hey, you look terrific. Going out with Music Man. We're going to Fells Point. Ah, I used to take your mother there before you were born. Is that when you guys stopped having fun? Oh, we still had fun, but it was different. Once you have children, things change. You'll see. Mm, Probably not, Dad. It's okay. Well, I hope you have a good time with the Music Man. Eric isn't just musical. He's smart and funny and nice. That's what you said about the last one. You should talk. You said your Josephine had a heart of gold. It was more like granite covered with fungus. She wasn't my Josephine. She never was. Come on. You're not over her yet. It's been, what, three months already? 87 days. 
Next week would have been our nine-month anniversary. We should be counting your days of emancipation instead of, oh my God, what's today's date? August 15th. Daddy, it's been a year. A year since mom. No, one year exactly. We're supposed to light the candle. Where'd we put it? Sarah searches the living room as the dialogue continues. Hard to believe it's been a whole year since I moved in here. Sure doesn't feel like it. And can I ask you something? Could I stop you? Level with me. You were showing me the door when I had the heart attack. Have I really been that big a pain in the ass? You want the truth? It hasn't been easy. Oh, come on, you don't mean that. You like having your old man around. You make a great team, you and me, always have. <laughs> hey, what happened to my sweet baby girl? She grew up. Sarah moves to the kitchen, still searching for the candle. Arnold follows. I miss that little girl with her ponytail and braces. She thought I was Superman. That little girl's been gone for over 30 years. I got older too, hon, a lot older. But I still feel the same on the inside. I don't think I've changed that much. <laughs> you haven't. You're still a great big kid. You still want me to move out? You can't move out now, but that's okay. You're starting to grow on me. Yeah, like mold on old bread. <laughs> but we've got to make a few changes around here. I'm not going to stop watching the Ravens. Oh, you don't have to, but would it kill you to keep your pills in the basket? I suppose I could, if it's so important. And you need to take better care of yourself. You have to have the surgery. Again with the surgery. Look around. Do you really like sleeping in the living room and shuffling around here with that walker like a hundred-year-old man? I hate it. So get the operation. What are you waiting for? You're scared, aren't you? Yes, I'm scared. They crack you open like a walnut and stop your heart while they muck around in there doing God knows what. You're damn right I'm scared. It is scary, Dad. But to the doctor, it's a routine operation, something they do every day. And I'll be with you every step of the way. I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe you're right. It would be good to get my old life back. I know the feeling. So you'll call Dr. Bass on Monday? I'll think about it. Do it for me. Do it for your daughter. You know, once he gets done monkeying around in there, it'll take me a while to recover. Will you be able to handle it? You'll stay right here with me. I've already told Uncle Bernie that I'm through with 80-hour weeks. <laughs> Sounds like we're putting the old Perlmutter team back together. A new team with a new coach. You know, you sound like your mother sometimes. What do you mean? You're not as outspoken as she was. You're, you're sneakier about it, but both of you can be very strong-willed. I'm strong-willed. Mom was overbearing. Well, whatever you say, huh? 
<laughs> very funny. Oh, um, Eric's going to be here. Uh, we gotta find that candle. Think like myself. Think like myself. Where would I put it? Sarah finds the yardside candle in an unexpected place. Ah, found it. Sarah puts the yardside candle on the kitchen table. Arnold uses the walker to enter the kitchen. He sits at the kitchen table. You ready? Sarah nods and lights the candle. Thelma comes down the stairs and enters the kitchen. I don't remember the rest. That's okay. You don't have to say anything. Sarah and Arnold watch the candle burn for a moment. Then Sarah hugs Arnold and starts to leave. While Arnold speaks, staring into the candle, Selma puts her arms around him, but he doesn't see or feel her. Sarah looks on from the shadows, unseen by her parents. It's been a year, Selma. I know we didn't have a perfect marriage. We both know we'd have been better off with other people. Of course, we'd never admit that to each other or even to ourselves, but we both know it. We had nothing in common. You, you made me miserable and I got on your nerves. I know I disappointed you. And yet, Selma, we spent a lifetime together. We got some things right. We made a beautiful baby girl together and look at her. Can you believe what a beautiful woman she became? We stayed true to each other through all the ups and downs and we grow together. It wasn't easy, but it wasn't all that hard. That's because you had a great sense of humor, Selma. We laughed a lot. Oh, how we laughed. And somehow, in spite of ourselves, we loved each other. We loved each other. Blackout. Scene 10. It's one day later, August, Saturday morning. Arnold is asleep on the living room bed, wearing a Raven's t-shirt and pajama bottoms. Sarah is cooking oatmeal in the kitchen. She is casually but attractively dressed. Her cell phone and a pot of tea are on the kitchen counter. Pill bottles are scattered on the table next to the empty basket. Dad, you want blueberries or raisins? Arnold starts to wake up, but doesn't answer. Sarah walks to the living room. You still sleeping? You must have been up late last night. Now look who's talking. I fell asleep before you got in. Things must be heating up with music, man. I had a good time. Uh-huh. Ravens lost last night, didn't they? I don't know which was worse, the offense or the defense. It was just a preseason game. Doesn't mean anything. Just... Give him time, Dad. You're awfully cheerful this morning. It's not like you. Don't be such a grouch. I'm entitled. I'm hungry. How about you make us some pancakes and bacon for a change? I just made a nice pot of oatmeal. I'm giddy with excitement. Come eat, and I'll tell you about my date last night. You don't have to. I already know by that silly grin on your face. I've given that look to a few women in my time. You think this guy might be the one? Could be. I hope so. But even if it doesn't work out, 
I finally found my music. Sarah goes into the kitchen and ladles oatmeal into bowls. Arnold starts to get up, then grabs his chest and collapses onto the bed. We're talking about going to Europe together next year, Vienna and Prague during spring break. Sarah pours tea into cups and sets them and bowls on the table. Breakfast is ready. Dad? Sarah walks into the living room. You need some help? No response. Come on, I'll put some honey in the oatmeal. Sarah puts her hand on her father and gently shakes him. Dad? Sarah tries in vain to wake him. Dad? Dad! Daddy! Sarah runs to the kitchen, grabs her phone, and dials 911. I can't wake up my father. He had a heart attack back in April. He's going to have surgery. No, he's not breathing. I think, I think he's dead. No. Uh, 1708. Sarah ends the call and goes to the living room to see to her father. She adjusts the covers around him and kisses him on the forehead. Meanwhile, Selma comes down the stairs and said, stands beside Arnold. Mom? 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 Mommy! Selma smiles lovingly at Sarah, but Sarah cannot see nor hear her. Sarah returns to the kitchen, sits at the table, and sips her tea. Selma walks over to Arnold. Stage lighting gradually changes to suggest celestial surroundings. Arnold sits up. Selma? You couldn't put on a decent pair of pajamas? Selma? You'll be wearing that for eternity, for God's sake. Where? Where are we? Where do you think we are, Arnold? Oh my God, the Goyim were right. We're in hell. We're not in hell. Jews don't go to hell. We don't believe in it. Then where the hell are we? This sure ain't heaven. Not quite. We're sort of in between. What are you doing here? I waited for you. What for? I was doing fine on my own. Oh, you weren't fine, and you weren't on your own. You moved in with Sarah before the first and only night of my shiva, thank you very much. And since then, you haven't been doing so great. Look at you. Look at me? Look at you. Don't start with me, Arnold. I didn't ask you to wait for me. I know. Believe me, I know. How do you think that made me feel? Geez, I, I thought, I didn't know. Why, why didn't you let me know you were here? What, and cramp your style. I stayed around for Sarah. She's the one who needed me. Oh, you were out gallivanting all over Baltimore, making an ass of yourself. You, I'm the one who kept her from being lonely. She's been down in the dumps since that schmuck left her. When you died, I moved in to look after her to take care of her. Did you hit your head at the factory and fall into the brine vat? You've made this last year miserable for her, and you're too stupid to know it. Yeah, maybe I got in her way once in a while, but, but my heart was always in the right place. Unlike some of your other parts. Sarah knows how I feel about her. 
no matter what else was going on, she's been my greatest joy since the day she was born. That's one thing you and I have in common, Arnie. Arnold and Selma look in on Sarah in the kitchen. She doesn't see or hear them. What's she going to do now? Shouldn't we stick around for her? Don't worry about Sarah. She's going to be okay. How can you be so sure? A mother knows. So now what? What happens to us? How should I know? I suppose we move on to whatever comes next. I'm ready if you are. What's the matter? You're saying you and me are going to spend eternity together? I thought it was till death do us part. What? You'd rather be all alone? You could do worse, you know. A whole lot worse. Selma walks to the bottom of the staircase and reaches out her hand. Um, we'll go together. Arnold walks to her and holds Selma's hand as she leads him up the stairs. In the kitchen, Sarah pensively sips her tea. Then she rises and for the last time places the pill bottles into the basket. Curtain. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. For more information about Quarantine Players, visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash quarantine players. As Shakespeare said in Julius Caesar, if we do meet again, why, we shall smile. If not, why then, this parting was well made. Thank you.